You're listening to The New American Left with your host, Kieran Murphy. Hello and welcome to The New American Left. Happy New Year as well. Hope you had a great holiday, whatever it is you celebrate. Most importantly, I hope you had some time off from work and you were able to recharge and uh, reflect a little bit and prepare yourself for the coming year of 2020, which I'm sure will be totally normal and not weird at all. So with that in mind, you're joining us for part two of There May Be Gods, But They Are Not Our Masters, A Leftist View of Paganism. And if you haven't yet heard part one, I would head over and check that one out first. But for everybody else, let's get going. Part two, there may be gods, but they are not our masters. A leftist view of paganism. In part one, we talked about my personal journey to paganism. But in part two, we will discuss the overall return of paganism and how some on the far right are trying to seize on it. For some time, the so-called Christian West has been becoming more secular. There are many reasons for that, but between the church scandals and repressive beliefs, many people have been turned off to the traditional monotheistic religions. So it seems almost natural that the re-emergence of pre-monotheist belief systems is taking place. That resurgence has taken many forms. As Caleb Strom lays out in his article, Return of the Ancient Gods, the Resurgence of Paganism. Among modern pagans, there are two approaches to reviving pagan practices. One is eclecticism or syncretism in which elements of historical ethnic religions, such as the ancient Norse religion, are combined with modern movements such as Wicca, Theosophy, or other New Age philosophies. This is largely based on Romantic views of these ancient religions, which emerged in the 19th century, which may or may not be historically accurate. The other approach is polytheistic reconstructionism, which is an attempt to make an historically accurate reconstruction of these ancient religions based on historical sources, archaeological data, and perhaps ethnographic comparison. Reconstructionists avoid embellishing ancient pagan religions with modern movements and ideologies. In the West, we've seen a return of Celtic, Slavic, Greek, Norse, and even Roman pantheons. And while throughout the rest of the world, polytheistic religions have thrived. Aboriginal Australia has kept their traditions alive for tens of thousands of years, despite colonialism, and are absolutely fascinating. Across Polynesia, you see a sort of hybrid Christianity while still holding on to the old gods and keeping them in favor. And this very much reminds me of what the Irish did as well. Many Irish Christian saints are actually recycled pagan gods and goddesses. The goddess Bridge, or more commonly known as Saint Bridget, is a well-known example. Even the Celtic cross is the traditional Christian cross fused with a pagan circular sun symbol. Many pagan traditions were kept in conquered peoples, and we see this repeated in the Americas as well. Colonialism often did the work of evangelizing Christianity, and pushing it on people at the point of a sword or a gun, but it never fully stamped out their original beliefs. Now there was a dark side to this resurgence, and like any religion, the rebirth of Western paganism attracted reactionaries. These people would look upon pagan religion as a justification for their racial hatred of non-European ethnicities. 
This, of course, began with the Nazis during World War II under Heinrich Himmler. His brand of paganism deserves its own full episode, but for our purposes, it gave direction to future fascists on how to incorporate their racial violence into their pagan religion. Clear examples of this can be seen in the Golden Dawn in Greece and Casa Pound in Italy. Here, Addison Nugent shed some light on their rise in the article for Ozzy, Inside the European Far Right's Weird Obsession with Paganism, from June of 2017. And here's Addison. Today, right-wing extremist political parties like the Golden Dawn in Greece and Casa Pound in Italy, who reject Catholicism in favor of ancient Greek and Roman polytheism, violently defend their homelands from desert and invasive religions. In 2015, Casa Pound members and angry locals in the village of Quinto di Treviso, northwest of Venice, descended on an empty apartment complex designed to house immigrants and trash the place, setting fire to beds and breaking televisions. During the Golden Dawn's parliamentary campaign in 2015, party member Ilias Pangiataros proclaimed in a fiery speech at a rally in Athens that if Golden Dawn gets into Parliament, we will carry out raids on hospitals and kindergartens, and we will throw immigrants and their children out in the streets so Greeks can take their place. Golden Dawn ended up winning 18 seats, making it the third largest party in Parliament. Later that year, attacks on immigrants reportedly doubled. American pagan resurgence has met similar problems. In Racists Are Threatening to Take Over Paganism, Sarah Lyons lays out the situation. Although the leaders of Nazi Germany were obsessed with paganism and the occult, it has largely been associated with multiculturalism here in the United States. But with the recent rise of right-wing extremism in America, we've seen a commingling of racism and paganism that has alarmed experts, activists, and pagans themselves. For racists, the faith and its offshoots serve as both a cover and a recruiting tool. Today, one of the largest white nationalist organizations in the U.S., the National Socialist Movement, has traded in their swastikas and Totenkopfs for pagan symbols, like the Othala rune. Similar groups have adopted Odinist phrases like faith, family, and folk, and while the Third Reich did embrace the Othala rune in their time, the symbol is far less inflammatory or recognizable than the swastika in the United States, enabling these groups to fly under the radar. You know, like the circle game, for instance. Anyway, Sarah Lyons continues. White power's embrace of paganism was on full display at the tragic Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, in August 2017. One notorious pagan present was Stephen McNallan, the founder of the Asatru Folk Assembly, a far-right group fixated on the survival and welfare of the ethnic European folk as a cultural and biological group. The rally also featured aspiring pagan politician Augustus Sol Invictus, an alt-right leader Richard Spencer credited with writing the first draft of the Charlottesville Statement. Among other repugnant things, that infamous creed framed the refugee crisis as a religious war and promoted the concept of a white ethnostate. So, since American paganism really came back around through Wicca and the New Age movement, it has been situated in the public conscious to be seen as hippies, crystals, very multicultural. Shockingly, this is not the full picture. There is a very healthy and growing pagan community, and they are not taking the far right seizing on pagan themes lying down. Over 40 pagan organizations have signed Declaration 127. 
and this states unequivocally that any pagan organization that is exclusive and based on race or sexual orientation will not be tolerated. This is a great move for modern paganism going forward. There's no space to not take a clear stand against those trying to use our belief system as a shield for their hatred. Message of tolerance, and most importantly, balance and mutual respect. If we were all to return to our ethnic heritage pre-monotheist religion, what do we find? We've gone over what happens when fascists do this, and they see it as upholding their ethnicity above others. But what must we see? When we as leftists return to our old religion, we must see it as a unifying threat that runs through us and all other peoples throughout the world. When we think of one of our gods, usually there will be a similar counterpart in another's culture. And this can be used as a bridge of understanding, not a wall of hate. For example, in pagan Rome, a detail that always resonated with me was that there was this myriad of temples to all the different gods throughout the city. But there was also a temple to the unknown gods. This always struck me as an important pillar on which we should balance our modern paganism. Not only did they worship their gods, but it was respectful to worship the gods that were out there that you just didn't know about. See, this establishes deference and humility that is sorely missing in the modern religious world. How much damage and hate have evolved simply from the monotheistic introduction of the one true God. That essence of deeming yourself the message of the one true God simply means that all of our gods are inherently false and dangerous. To put it plainly, this vein of thinking leads to nothing but genocide. Either convert to the one true faith or die. This is how it was carried out throughout history. We have evidence of that. So it's not hypothetical to think that. And this is not a philosophy that can ever achieve balance. I mean, how could it? It's based on supremacy. But what they fail to realize is that from the instant they declared a true God, they were destined to end in abject failure. Hierarchy does not stand the test of time, while balance does. A respectful, horizontal structure of spirituality is built to last, while a supremacist religion is not. Koyaniskatsi. The Hopi have named this state in which we live as Koyaniskatsi, or the world out of balance. As with all things pagan, this is very much open to interpretation, and not to be taken too literally. But the concept of our world out of balance is something that certainly strikes a chord with me. If we look to the Hopi myths surrounding the end of the fourth world, our world, it's pretty striking. Now, of course, there's the Nostradamus effect to consider, and I can't stress enough not to take it too literally, but one can't help but see the overarching trend at work. We have teachings and prophecies informing us that we must be alert for the signs and omens which will come about to give us courage and strength to stand on our beliefs. 
Blood will flow. Our hair and our clothing will be scattered upon the earth. Nature will speak to us with a mighty breath of wind. There will be earthquakes and floods causing great disasters, changes in the seasons and in the weather, disappearance of wildlife, and famine in different forms. There will be gradual corruption and confusion among the leaders and all the people all over the world, and wars will come about like powerful winds. All of this has been planned from the beginning of creation. Dan Kachungva, Sun Clan leader from the village of Hotavia, 1970. In the Hopi prophecy and the end of the fourth world, by Gary David, the prophecy that appears on Prophecy Rock is even more clear. Another spiritual elder from the same Third Mesa village, David Manangi, who may have lived even longer than Grandfather Dan, had warned: "When earthquakes, floods, hailstorms, drought, and famine will be the life of every day." The time will have then come for the return to the true path, or going the zigzag way. The zigzag way refers to a line found on Prophecy Rock, a panel of ancestral Hopi petroglyphs in northern Arizona. The zigzag is the upper of two parallel lines. It supposedly represents the path of the two hearts, who are wreaking havoc on our Earth Mother and living contrary to ecological principles and the laws of nature. The lower line, on the other hand, is the path of the One Hearts, who are close to the soil and the growth of corn, beans, and squash. This is adhering to the true Hopi way. The upper path is divorced from the natural world and is totally immersed in the synthetic, manufactured reality of iPhones and Xbox 360s. In essence, it is a lifestyle that the Hopi call Koyaanisqatsi, which means world out of balance. The lower way, rooted in earth-based rhythms, finds solace and spiritual sustenance from corn pollen, sunlight, soaking rains, and vast desert vistas—a life in accordance with the Creator or the Great Spirit. So, this concept is shared throughout many ancient cultures throughout the world. Take what you need from nature, but not more than you need, lest you disrupt the balance. Capitalism, by definition. Is to take and retain more and more and more until there's nothing left. That is the tactics of a virus. If we do not find a way to restore a life of balance, we are certainly destined for a world that will end in fire. So why is it so anathema to discuss utilizing our grand progress and technology to restore that very balance? Where is the downside to developing a stable food web that we can all benefit from? The answer is a society built on supremacy and hierarchy. We cannot restore balance because it is fundamentally against everything we know in Western modern society to actually strategize restraint. Restraint is never celebrated. Cops who execute hostages and bystanders on live television are celebrated. Military war criminals who commit heinous acts are pardoned. CEOs who hoard money like it really is the end of the world are forgiven. Corporations that will destroy a country just to mine it—no problem. Restraint is the realm of the weak and the unsuccessful, and unfortunately for people who think that. Theirs is the realm of the blissfully doomed. 
This is where the pagan left can really stand out. For our belief is not based on hierarchy. There's no concept, at least in my experience, where we are subservient to these gods or these masters. Gods are the personification of the spiritual energies and forces that surround us. So there's no subservience. We don't have to act in their name. We don't have to commit genocide in their name. We don't have to ignore things in their name. And what many monotheists, particularly of the West, have done is connect God and capitalism as the same thing, the almighty dollar. Well, we don't have to do that. We can actually offer an alternative to that. When your goal is balance, when your goal is restraint, you can change the way society actually functions. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that that is going to be accomplished through any sort of great awakening or some sudden realization that capitalism is the path to destruction. As the uh, saying goes, the means of production won't seize themselves, right? And I, I don't even know if I'm trying to say that there's a hopeful message here because it, you know, it's pretty bleak when you take it all into account. And if you consider that you know, we're trying to change society at such a broad level, you know, the people who hold this power are not going to give it up very easily. In many cases, it's generational. So... That's where I, I really struggle. I, I, I'm not sure where, how we all get out of this, this one without some terrible, terrible events in all, in all of our future. But if we ever do make it through and rebuild this world, leftist pagans could actually help. <laughs> I mean, the best we can do is keep living our lives for our families and our communities in, in the most honest way that we can that is consistent with our belief and do everything we can to support each other but there are hard times coming so certain levels of faith might be needed and and if there are people who feel abandoned by their church or their family or wherever they were i guess my final message to them is that you know there are options out there you can feel that sense of awe and that sense of divinity, and you don't have to have the shame and the guilt that also comes with that. And you can, you can plant your feet in something solid and believe in it. And it's probably time for us to all stand up and make this more acceptable in public and have that conversation with people. Because the right is always snatching that spotlight and they're going to connect their shitty paganism with their violence and everyone else is going to connect it with that too and if we don't plan our flag as no no we are a viable section of the left here and we we have these beliefs and this is why and if we're not able to to make that argument then we will lose ground to those right-wing fascists i mean even as pagans we're not special we have our problems with reactionaries the same as every other religion. And we have to get out in front of it and make sure that we stand for our beliefs in freedom, in equality, in safety for the community. 
protecting marginalized people. These are all things that we can root in our pagan faith. And it's time we do. But always remember, there may be gods, but they are not our masters. Don't get captured. Don't get You've been listening to The New American Left. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and visit us at thenewamericanleft.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at the new A-M-E-R left.